0: Welcome to Teach Back Tuesday, where we play the most popular episodes from the previous season. Habits to Embrace was a highly downloaded episode, and I understand. We all have habits that we don't like, but they seem to hang around. You know what I mean? So did the Apostle Paul. He said this in verse 19 of Romans chapter 7, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Can you relate? It is such an important thing that we learn how to embrace the habits that are good for us and get rid of the ones that are counterproductive. Let's listen. Ah, cashews. They should be their own food group. Those are like stress relief pills for me. When things were hair-raising at work, I'd turn my desk chair around and open my secret stash drawer and grab a handful of cashews. At home, if I was hungry between meals, I'd reach for the can of cashews and I'd eat them right out of the can, never knowing how many servings I ate. I'd stop when the can started looking a little low. Well, one day as I was engaging in some cashew therapy, I looked into the can and saw the bottom. It was a new can. How did this happen? Habit. My unchecked tradition of grabbing a can of cashews was beginning to cost me. And the suddenly tighter waistband of my skirt was telling on me too. Have you ever opened a package of something intending only to have a few bites and then suddenly the entire package was gone? We may think it's something that's just routine, but it's really a habit. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. Sometimes we may try to wiggle out of facing our issues by claiming that they aren't addressed in the Bible. But on closer examination, we will find that habits are in the Bible they show up in lists like the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5:22 through 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law to be fruitful we have to develop habits that support these qualities another place where habits are listed is second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 and beside all this it says giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that verse 8 tells us that if we add these qualities to our faith, it keeps us from being barren and unfruitful, The word barren in this verse means lazy. In other words, when we have the right habits, we're not being held back by our own slothfulness. We were meant to bear fruit in this life, so it is spiritually unnatural for us to be lazy and fruitless. Good habits help us grow. Bad habits hinder growth and keep us stuck and spinning our wheels like a car stuck in a Minnesota snowbank. If you've never experienced having your car tire stuck in a snowbank, let me tell you from experience that you can rev the engine all you want, but you aren't going anywhere. Why do we settle for being stuck when we can grow and thrive? Sometimes it's as simple as this. We're not thinking about it. We're just repeating the same mistakes but expecting a different outcome. God can help us with this. Let's look at a person in the Bible whose habits helped him with the goal of allowing the examples to help us as well. The man's name was Paul, and he had some great habits that we can embrace. Habit number one of four, admit that there is a problem. Paul recognized that he had a problem, and here's how he described it in Romans 7.15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. It is really hard to read that passage because of the structure of the sentences, but basically to break it down, he's saying, I do the stuff I don't want to do and I don't do the stuff I want to do. Admitting that we have an issue and need help is a habit to embrace. Pretending that we've got the world by the tail when we're floundering is a habit to discard. We're not going to improve by hugging bad habits as if they were close friends. The reality is this, if we keep doing things that are holding us back from growth and development, we're going to hate the outcome. Let's say that you're always running late, and it's not only embarrassing, but it's costing you your reputation. Instead of ignoring this, recognize it. Call it out and admit that it's a habit that needs changing. Then make a plan. The next time you're scheduled to be somewhere, pad your time. Set an alarm to begin getting ready and allow enough time for distractions, unplanned detours, and anything else that could keep you from being on time. This is a good time for a reminder. It takes time to examine ourselves for errors in our living. Set aside some time to really consider your ways. We don't have to accept doing things that we hate as normal. Habit number two, look at the problem from a different angle. We tend to look at bad habits as if they were jail cells instead of choices. No one is holding us to unfruitful habits but the person in the mirror. We are free, but bad habits create a false sense of bondage. Listen to this truth in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four through 25 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul viewed life as a race that we all run. That affected his habits. This is a different way to look at how we manage our lives and our habits. We're running a race to receive a prize. We're striving for mastery, but this work requires self-control, also known as temperance. People in our culture often work really hard to build physical, material, and social success. Unbelievers do this for the praise of their peers. Believers have a different audience, and it's an audience of one. We are working for the incorruptible crown of pleasing God with our lives. This different viewpoint removes the sense of being stuck and trades it for goal setting that matters. Running a race is hard work, and it requires training. The rewards of the training are increased strength and endurance, which we will need daily. Bad habits weigh us down, but we can toss them aside by the grace of God. It's always easier to run a race without added weight. And speaking of weight, that subject makes a great illustration in this habit discussion. Are you a cereal dieter? And by that, I mean, are you the kind of person who bounces from Weight Watchers to Keto to juice fasting to Whole Foods, and then you throw in gluten-free, sugar-free, and dairy-free for added insurance? Since so many people live like this, it's a real wonder that we're not in a world filled with people shaped like number two pencils. Instead, overweight and obesity numbers have skyrocketed. How can this be in an age of so many restrictive food plans and with so many people claiming to follow them? We're so used to having everything instantly, and this has made us impatient with anything that takes time. Temperance is built over a lifetime, not in 30 days. And it's not something that you go on and off. It's something that you gently weave into the fabric of your life. Instead of looking at habits as wardrobe changes, something you put on and off, consider that we're running a race that will help us a lot more later than it does now. Today is actually that tomorrow when we said we were going to do better. What we improve today improves our tomorrow as well. Look beyond instant gratification and ask yourself this question. How do I really want to run this race for Christ? As a person trapped in a self-inflicted prison of unpleasant habits or as a person running to the glory of God? If you've never thought about it before, maybe that's why you're still trapped. You won't run this life race again. Why not run your best for Christ? Habit number three out of four, tame the internal toddler. Paul got after himself and made himself follow his own orders. Proverbs 25:28 calls this ruling over our own spirit. It is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit for us to have dominion over our rational minds. The closer we are to God, the more rational we become but when our relationship with Christ is distant, irrational thoughts stage a takeover in an effort to drown out the truth. Self-management is so important, and we need to understand that even as adults, we need boundaries. When we can tell ourselves what to do and follow the instructions, we are growing in temperance, and the fruit of this habit will be sweet. Paul described bringing his body into subjection, which meant that he was making himself obey himself. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says this, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The words in this verse clearly indicate that the body wasn't cooperating without Paul enforcing the rules. In other words, he demanded that the toddler trapped in the adult body submit, and he didn't make it optional. The phrase, I keep under my body, carries the meaning of a boxer beating himself into shape for a fight. It also means to discipline by hardship. Building beneficial habits is hard work. We want it to be easy because so many other things in life are just like Kool-Aid. You add water, sugar, powder, stir, and poof, you've got this pitcher of sugary stuff. Taming the self is not an add water and stir effort. It's a process that begins at the cry of birth and it goes on for our entire lives. This shouldn't upset us. We have many things in life that we do daily. Building temperance is worth the daily workout it requires. Expect to be tested by yourself when you're attempting to build new habits and be prepared. Paul clearly didn't expect cooperation from himself, so he made it hard to disobey. He wasn't setting himself up to fail with self sabotage. He expected to win, and he pushed himself to achieve the discipline needed for the work that God had for him to do. We simply can't be as fruitful as God intended if we're bogged down by draining habits that leave us with nothing to give. Are you harboring a bad attitude, a lack of gratefulness, slothfulness, or some other really unhelpful habit? What is your area? where you need to bring your body into subjection pray for god's grace and then get to work we will all have daily opportunities to tell ourselves what to do and what not to do watch for the next opportunity it's coming soon and finally habit number 4 walk in the spirit listen to what it says in galatians 5:16 through 17 this i say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Oh, but the flesh is bossy and filled with various desires that are completely contrary to what God wants for us. Galatians 5 is a great personal Bible study, by the way, and I encourage you to take the time to read the entire chapter for context. The works of the flesh are the very next thing that are listed after we are told to walk in the Spirit. And it's a long list of negative behaviors that goes on for three whole verses. Walking in the Spirit keeps us from ruining our lives, but we first have to understand that it will be a fight against our flesh to get ourselves to comply with our orders. We want the opposite of what's best for us when we walk in the flesh. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit which is the Spirit with a capital S in this passage, and our flesh are contrary one to the other. We are literally setting up our own conflicts with the Holy Spirit of God, which is very backwards. All God wants to do is lead us into a life that's best for us, and yet we dig in our heels and we have to be dragged into yielding, failing to see that God is trying to give us a gift. To walk in the Spirit, we will have to deny ourselves daily. This is a death to self, and it's not one and done. The act of self-denial makes us so much more like Christ. Jesus said this in Luke 9.23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The greatest habit we can develop is to copy Christ and how he lived and walked on this earth. He is our ultimate pattern, and he lived a very orderly yet simple life. Everything about Jesus was worthy of copying. His meekness, his lowliness, his sacrificial focus on others, his temperance, his carefully chosen words. The Bible is filled with examples for our benefit. Which habits have been plaguing you for as long as you can remember? Those are the very habits that Christ conquered on the cross because bad habits are really just sin by another name. We are freed from the bondage of sin now so we can walk away from things that used to enslave us. I had to outsmart the Francie with the cashew habit by using a measuring cup rather than eating out of the can. This was just a small habit to change. There are much bigger ones, but if we'll start somewhere, we can work our way through to bigger and better improvements. Most of all, we need to remember to die to self so that the habits can die with self. As it says in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You've been listening to Keep the Heart with Francie Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Keep the Heart on Instagram. For more from Francie, visit KeeptheHeart.com for devotionals, books, Bible studies, and more. Visit KeeptheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.